Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm just making sure everything's on mute and all the things. <laughs> yeah, done the same thing, closed down everything. I've had to hide in my uh, parents' bar, would you believe, so that um, the dogs don't bark and people, it's quite early in the morning here, so it, the house can be a bit of a jungle, so it's like, all right, go and hide down here. I thought it was quite cliche as well, you're talking to an Irishman, I'm sitting in a bar, so. <laughs> but also, normally people would have like all their supplements and stuff yeah, like, yeah, on, got, their, on their back shelf. I don't even think I've got any of the good whiskey left. I think that was abolished, but I'm actually having a coffee, so just to clear things up. Oh, nice. Where are you at the moment? You're in um, I'm in Ireland. Dublin now. Oh, cool. Yeah. You're just finishing up your tour? Uh, I'm going to Limerick tomorrow um, and Sunday, and then I fly back to Scotland next week, and then I'm back the following week to go to Belfast. So I've literally been hopping back and forth between the UK and Ireland for, yeah, last five weeks, something like that. Wicked. So we'll dive into that in a bit. Like, so generally, it's quite a casual kind of introduction into the podcast, just <coughs> to welcome you to everyone that's going to be watching and listening. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, can you give us like your elevator pitch of who you are and what you do? My name is Dan. I'm a mobility specialist. I've been currently traveling the world at the moment, teaching workshops on how to move better. I coach everybody from trainers themselves learning my methods as well as people who are currently struggling and I suppose not addressing issues that they might be having and I show them the simplicity of how to do that um, I'm originally from Ireland I am in Ireland at the moment but I yeah I reside in Australia and I've got two young girls who obviously are the world to me and that's kind of why I do what I do and we just decided to take a chance on life and travel the world while they're young before they start school. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How did you even get into like mobility in the first place? Uh, probably like most trainers, I got attracted to the stuff that um, were my own limitations. And I questioned why did that happen to me or why were injuries? I played um, Gaelic football and hurling here in Ireland. And it always baffled me, like, why was someone else, same body type, similar position, not getting the same level of injuries that I had? And, yeah, 27, third knee injury, I had to start looking. And that was about, like, 11 years ago at this time. And so what I started to do then was delve into every course I could, just focus really on, like, what is my body missing that other people's isn't? So that they could, you know, there's some of my friends who are still playing now, 12 years on, and they're 37, 38. So it just baffled me, basically, you know. And were um, you just, like, hungry for as much information as possible? Like, how did always. you... And, and so did you just go out and look for the first course that you could find, or how did you approach it? So weirdly, I, I like to challenge myself. I mean, I think most people should challenge themselves. And when I gave up playing football, like, you know, you have to put it into context that I was training on average probably five hours a day. Um, so when when that obviously stopped, I had to fill that void and going to the gym myself and, you know, doing strength training <clears throat> has its benefits. But what I noticed is you can plateau quite easily when if you don't have a visual goal, like if I'm always just lifting a weight and it's getting heavier and I'm adding weight to it, like that's awesome. But, you know, it can also be boring at times. And so I started to delve into like cool things. I wanted to do gymnastics as a kid and 
I don't know what it was like in the UK, but, you know, it wasn't really things that boys did at the time. So I, you know, didn't do it. And I came across a handstand class and that just, you know, at the time I was like, ah, oh, this sounds like fun. I went to it and I was just blown away by why I couldn't do it. Like the fact that I couldn't achieve what I can see five-year-olds doing just blew my mind. And so what it highlighted was the discrepancies in my body. And as a result, I then searched for people in Ireland at the time who kind of knew how to address these things. And, you know, I paid them to, let's call it mentor me or coach me. I then searched for any kind of workshop that was potentially coming to Ireland or the UK. I think I even traveled as far as Belgium. And so once I started to see the changes in my own body, that's when I, you know, as, a, as you're well aware, it's that that's when the investment starts to happen, right? Because you're like, oh, yeah. this is actually working and this is working really, really well. And then in 2016, I decided to travel to Australia. And I was following, I was following like a, a particular gym at the time. And it just turned out that they were actually five minutes from where I was staying in, in, um, in Sydney. And so I immersed myself into it. I, I think at the time they were like a smaller kind of a gym. They had, I think it was 11 classes a week. And I just went to every single one. And I just wanted to just absorb this like different way of training. I had been doing kind of uh, touches of it myself, but there's a massive difference when you can get into a, a crowd of 20 people, be pushed. And especially when you're, you know, getting exposed to new things. Mm-hmm. And so not to go on a tangent with that, but I, I trained in that. They liked what they saw. They asked me to come work for them. And I went to New Zealand for a few months, just um, just exploring and stuff like that. I came back when their gym had got bigger and they had signed the lease on a new place. And then I just like fell down a rabbit hole and handstands and just everything mobility. And alongside that, I had the luxury of training large amounts of people in big classes that we had. So I started to see different body types. I started to see, you know, oh, you know, I went to this seminar. It says you're supposed to do this, but that's not working with this individual. What are we going to change? Hmm. And then, you know, for me, it was like get pieces of information from all these gurus or, you know, people out there, masters in their field, and then sponge it and soak up what is relevant to you and what's relevant to your clients. And that's kind of, yeah, that's really how I started to mold together what works for me, right? Yeah, for sure. Um. It Look, sounds like it sounds like Dan that you're um, a bit of a risk taker as well, like going all in on stuff and like just going for it. Is that does that come from like self belief that, that it's going to work out? Yeah, as a child, I was always like captain of a football team, or I was I was always a team player. But I was always the sort of person who I'd go to bed earlier, I'd eat healthier, I wouldn't drink on a night before a game because my attitude was these are things that you're not born with. Like someone's born with natural ability, like they're going to be better than you. So it's, for me, it was like, I need to make sure that everything in my, you know, arsenal going into something is like, is, is as best as it can be. And then if someone just beats me on pure talent, well, you know, hats off to you. I'll shake your hand. Well done. Um, and that's kind of the way I've approached everything in life, business, training. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all or nothing. Basically, my stubbornness can be healthy and it can also be not healthy <laughs> yeah it's like your, your biggest strength and your biggest weakness 100 percent. yeah i think we share similarities in our ocd and i'm very you know sometimes i can come across quite blunt but i'm very literal like i'm very you know 
I like things to be done a certain way. And I suppose becoming a father obviously allowed me to work on that because yeah. yeah, I can tell you now the days of training for five hours a day are, are gone. So <laughs> that's changed dramatically. <laughs> and you're right. It's having that. Uh, my wife always says to me, like, it's your biggest strength in your, but your biggest weakness, because I sometimes can't, um, sometimes small things affect me in a way that they shouldn't because I'm so fixated on like problem solving and finding a logical solution to a problem. Um, also with an element of risk thrown in there. So you're pushing yourself further or harder than perhaps someone else would. And there's always that potential risk of failure. But for me, I never even consider failure as an option. Like it's not a, a thing on my radar. I don't have like a plan B to stuff. What about you? Yeah, look, I was very, I'm going to use the word ignorant when I was younger, like, mm. especially like, you know, I got into the fitness industry here in Ireland, probably around 2009. And at the time, myself and another guy had kind of introduced TRX to Ireland and there was no one else doing it at the time. And we got quite big, but I, I always had this like, I don't know, at that age, I, I feel like I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to learn. I, I, I don't know maybe it's youth, maybe it's immaturity, but like, you feel like you kind of know enough and mm. know enough in the, in the sense that like, I was very, if, if, if it interested me, my, my mindset was like, okay, I'm going this way, but I never opened my world to other sides. Like what I do now, like I like to be exposed to things that I, I'm not going to say like, I don't believe in, but things that like I would question. And then I would immerse myself in it, get an understanding of it. And then I can make a real judgment. I find you know, in today's world, it's easy to look at something and judge it at face value, but not actually like understanding the the thought behind it or or the why, as they call it. Yeah. Um, Do you think that's that you just like you've reached a point where you just enjoy challenges because you've had success of overcoming challenges or putting yourself out there and being successful? That when these other opportunities present them to you now, present themselves to you now, like you you thrive on being able to understand something, figure it out, and then overcome that. 100%. Yeah, for me, it's like, you know, if, if I if I talk about mobility as an example, like, I'm okay with not being a world class contortionist, like, I don't need to be the bendiest person in the room. My job is to teach people how to do it. My, I suppose why people can relate to me is because I'm not like a crazy bendy yogi. I am someone who has had to fight a good fight to get to where I'm at. I have injuries, you know, the length of my arm. And it's like, I have to appreciate that I've put that much trauma on my body in a previous life that even to be able to move the way I can move now, like I have to put my hand up and say, look, well done. Like you've done a great job because, you know, I'll be honest, five or six years ago, I used to look at other people um, on a social setting and kind of judge myself against them. I think people naturally do that. Yeah. And at times it used to get me down a little bit because maybe they were advancing a little bit quicker than I was in, in my opinion. And it wasn't until I actually, you know, I met a really awesome Cairo who went through my body and she was like, look, based on what you've just supplied me, like in terms of injuries and what I've just assessed of how your body moves, she's like, these don't, um, they don't match up. So she's like, you need to, you know, you need to be proud of kind of what you've done. And I, I feel like that's, it's one of the hardest things for people to do because mobility can take time. Like, you know, we talk about a two week transformation, a six week transformation in terms of fat loss. And, you know, maybe even like a, I don't know, 16 to 18 week program will get you some decent level of muscle. 
like we're talking 12 to 18 months to really see substantial improvements and i mean that in a physical sense like you'll start to feel better after doing stuff for two weeks doing stuff for six weeks because naturally if you haven't been doing it and now you're teaching your body to move into these areas you know your body's going to be rewarded by obviously feeling better you know how do you get clients to adhere to that um because i'm a hard ass and i keep them accountable (laughs) (laughs) um i also give visuals so all of my training works towards a visual and that's what I, that's kind of why I immerse myself into like handstands and calisthenics and even like gymnastics kind of skills, because I can see where I'm working towards. And then what I say to all my clients is the journey is the exact same, like as in, sorry, the destination is the exact same. The journey is the same, but you just might be getting on at a different spot to someone else. And so for me as a, um, for me as a coach, it's, it's, I need to find what your baseline is. Most of the times I'll get people who, you know they're, they're a little bit um apprehensive to to be exposed to that right they don't especially if someone's a bit deconditioned they don't like to be kind of they don't like a reality check sure. but what i try to show them is like this is still let's say a handstand push-up as an example good good thing to kind of imagine someone might be literally doing a push-up on the floor and it's like once they understand that the push-up on the floor can then go knees elevated onto a box feet up onto a wall you know, work how you balance a handstand alongside that, get off the wall, work negatives, and then we get a handstand push-up eventually. You know, these are, in my eyes, this is a skill. The chin-up is another good example. So, like, we always just try and find where you can achieve. And bands, I'm a big lover of bands for, like, say, chin-ups as an example, because if I've got five different color bands as an example, and someone has to have the thickest band, well, then they know, like, well, I don't want to be on the thickest band, so I'm going to keep working until I get to the next band. And when, once you kind of have that stuff, that's more for the, the skills. If we're dealing more on like flexibility as an example, I could take a picture of someone's front split. So, you know, what's your lowest front split? Okay, we're going to go and do X, Y, and Z. We're going to do it for six weeks and then we're going to recheck what your front split looks like. And I, I let them understand that even if it's, I don't know, let's just say five degrees in a difference. Like if we put that in a ratio of, um like what that is an improvement we can relate it to like if someone can do a 100 kilo deadlift and in a six-week testing they get up to 110 but that's still only a 10 percent increase right mm-hmm. which is awesome like that's great so if your degrees improves by 10 percent, well that's the same as, as relative to a, a deadlift that's come up by 10 percent. and i think once you relate that to pr like once you allow people to relate that to something they get more addictive and the most important part about all of this is that whether you achieve the front splits is irrelevant, but you working towards it, you know, then you start to see things like, oh, I get into a deeper squat. Oh, like, you know, my hip thrusts are better. My lower back isn't hurting me the same way anymore. So all these things start to come along for the ride. And that's kind of how I get a lot of buy-in, right? Yeah. And it sounds like the process that you have as well is giving that visual outcome of for instance doing a push handstand um so having that defined outcome but then having like micro progressions along the way so someone could see like from week to week or from progression to progression that they're actually moving in the right direction to achieving their goal yeah it also helps with uh, plateau right because mm. you know I'm, I'm again i'm very literal so i'm like you need to keep doing this until you get better at it and then you can do this like 
mm-hmm. understand the why. There's obviously sometimes I'll change a variation just to mix it up. Like for example, we could use rings as opposed to the floor. We could use parallettes, which are just like your, your horizontal bars. So again, changing the stimulus can also make someone feel like they're doing a different exercise, but it could be still the same, right? Yeah. Um, what, and, sorry, go on. I know. What would you think? I mean, because what demographic do you cover? Just pretty much everyone with just mobility issues. Interestingly, it, it, it changed over the last few years. I would say the most of the people that I work on in an online setting at the moment are around that kind of 40 plus. They've tried a lot of things. They've smashed the body. Now they've noticed that like things are a little bit harder. They have kids. They're not able to give the same amount of time and now there's aches and pains coming into the body and so then what i do is like i obviously treat someone like an individual because Mm. i have a strength conditioning background i have like gymnastic strength background mobility flexibility is what i obviously invest in heavily now so i have different arsenals and i make it really specific to the individual right like if someone's a little bit overweight then we assess things do they actually need to lose the weight now or is there a chronic inflammation? Is there other issues in the body that maybe is a priority? And we can just, you know, tweak their nutrition a little bit to allow them to lose a little bit of weight, but actually really addressing the core. Because I would rather someone overweight and out of pain than, you know, what you would perceive as looking their best and they're feeling the worst, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's you pretty much described, other, th- other than the kids, like you pretty much described me, like heading into my 40s, like been training for over a decade, and now I'm starting to recognize like in places like my shoulders, my knees, like those strains t- starting to take a toll now. Is Do you think there's any one particular area that's most common for people that you hear like on a frequent basis? Well, I saw a study the other day that 80% of people will experience back pain at some time in their life. I thought right. that was pretty crazy. Um, I, I also suffered, um, I had chronic back pain for about five years. And then I, I used to hold on to a lot of excess inflammation. And as a result, well, I don't know if it was from that, but I ended up uh, bursting my appendix and it was burst for about three months without me knowing. Oh my God. Um, so obviously my body had protected itself by creating a, um, an abscess around it. And so I was yes. holding on to way too much tension. And it was, interestingly, when I had that surgery and then I really focused on the rehab, my back pain went away. And that was two years ago, which is obviously awesome. So yeah. I guess That's... I can relate to people. So I think, you know, mm. I never I never highlight all my injuries. I think I put them on my, my website just because there is some people who are interested in that. Um, but I had so many injuries. So, like, again, I'm a, I always look at the positive outlook, outlook. The biggest traumas that I've had are my biggest learning times. So it's like... Sure. You know, I've been hit by cars, fall off railings. I was just a wild kid, right? Like had loads of injuries. But now as an adult, I can relate. Like there is nothing more relatable. Like if you have a chronic back pain and you can't get out of bed, you know, you have to roll on your side to literally get on the floor to try and stand up. And the worst thing for me was sneezing. It was like an electric shock on my lower back. I used to have to hold, like brace something if I I felt the sneeze coming. And you can actually relate to that kind of side of things. You know, they don't teach you that in a textbook. No. And so um, for me, it's like the biggest injuries are the biggest uh, pains that I see in most people is in the lower back and the hips. And it's mainly because they're sitting on them all day, right? They don't move mm-hmm. them. Like my only, my only criticism of a lot of people um, who are doing like, this is obviously quite a broad statement, but like 
in a lot of fitness classes that I see that maybe aren't well structured or a lot of strength training, some of them can be a lot of linear patterns. So if we think of squat, a deadlift, a push, a pull, and they're awesome, but the body's three-dimensional. And the days that we carry out our movements, you know, we have to rotate. We've got a hinge. We've got a, you know, all these weird and wonderful things. So what I try to educate people on is rather than thinking of the muscles, like what if we thought about the joints? So I might say to someone, you know, today's a hip day as an example. And within the hip day, you know, the priority for me should be rotation because it's a ball socket joint. Is it rotating the way it should? If it's not, well, that's already going to affect your squat. It's already going to affect your deadlift. And so for me, it's like, what if we break down what the body should be able to do? And then, you know, if we take you as an individual, we go, all right, can you do X, Y, and Z? Or what kind of degrees do you have in internal or external rotation of your hip? Okay. Do we think we could improve that? Possibly. Do we think by improving that, it's going to not only make your lifts easier, it's going to make you feel better. It's going to make you recover quicker. And that's important because a lot of the stuff that I teach is accessory work, right? Because most mm -hmm. people that drive is potentially elsewhere. How bad do you think it actually is for people sitting? You mentioned they're like people sitting like for most of the day. Like if someone's inactive, and that's one of the reasons I've got this like standing desk, because mm -hmm. I, I noticed that over time I, I would start to like, not, I mean, I'm being, I'm exaggerating it here, but like I'd end up like real rotation on my shoulders, like hunched and I'd walk like my head down and it's, and it's yeah. time like using my standing desk to, and to be aware of like retracting my scapula, like pulling myself back and making sure that I'm standing upright. Like for people that are sitting at a desk all day long, how detrimental can that be? Well, this, this is the important thing to think about. If you're sitting in a flex position for most of your day, remember, there's nothing wrong with a flex position. But then I would ask is like, how much rotation, side flexion, extension happened in that spine in the day? Because you're well aware as I am, you know, too much of one thing is not a good thing. So it's like, if I can <clears throat> kind of work in ratios, it's like, well, you know, at some point in my week, maybe I should do some extension in my back. And the one problem with always just doing strength training. Now, I'm put a caveat here. I still strength train. That's, that's not the point. The point is, is I make sure that everything is addressed. If I'm, let's just say I'm doing a lap pull down, I'm technically extending my spine. Mm -hmm. But if I've just like, you know, jacked my muscles and they're fatigued and everything, the next day, like there's all that pulling on my spine. If I've never then allowed my body to just relax back down, and then I go and do it again the next week, and then I do it again the next week, and then I sit in a flex spine. It's the, it's the it's the correlation of what that stems into that. It's like a domino effect, right? Sure. So for me, it's important that we, again, if, if we're just dealing in a general context, I just feel that people could benefit highly from even just training extension in their spine, as an example, because they're already sitting in a flex position, they're on their phones, neck gets quite comfortable in that position. Mm. So it's it's super important that we just look at the body as a whole and then we focus on. So for me, this is very simple. Whole body. We should be trying to rotate all our joints. The only caveat is the spine where I would recommend that most people flex and extend as a priority, specifically segmentation, because that's what the body's designed to do. If the spine is already locked in, let's just say someone has, you know, a lower back that I don't know, let's say three vertebrae are just jammed together. If you're going to try to rotate where three vertebrae are stuck together, it's going to be on the top and the bottom because they're most likely going to be the weakest points because everything else is jammed together. 
So what I mean by priority is, is if we could learn to start to get a bit of movement in those three vertebrae, get them to actually start to segment, flex and extend, the facets are going to sit nicer together and then that joint is going to rotate a lot easier anyway. You know, in a perfect world, I would get someone to train five hours a day, but reality says that's not going to happen. So we have to try to look and go, okay, Mark, you as an individual right now, you know, strength training takes five to six of your days. Okay, maybe we could add in some accessory work. Did you notice that you're recovering quicker? Okay, cool. Now we know the extension of your spine works better. Maybe we'll switch that out or maybe do a lower volume of that and increase your rotational stuff. And how, what would be the minimum amount of input you think someone would have to do in order to start to see a benefit? So a lot of my programs work in two ways. One is uh, more about consistency, while the other one might be just about what reality allows. Consistency would be like getting a morning practice like 15 minutes a day. And again, this is a very general kind of a, sure. uh, approach. While as a lot of the programs that I sell, um, I do like two times a week. If someone wants to do three times, they kind of add in another session where we've um, broken it down. And that's kind of what I've seen, you know, over the last 20 years of coaching, specifically the last eight years where it's really been mobility specific. That's where I've seen people get the most benefit. If it's someone, let's say, like yourself who's doing strength training, what I would usually do then is let's say, I'll give a, a, a back squat as an example. Let's say somebody's extending from their TL junction. So just that kind of, you know, mid back area. Let's say they're extending from that too much because they don't have the external rotation to hold the bar comfortably on their back. Well, then maybe, you know, we give them either um, like a hack squat or they do like a goblet squat or something like that. But in between that, maybe I'm giving them an external rotation exercise. So the goal is to get to the back squat. But at the moment, you don't have the requirements to hold it optimally. And I say that because I'm not going to stop you if your big drive is the back squat. But most of the times when I highlight this to a client, they go, okay, I'll do this for the moment, knowing that I want to get back to that, right? Because long term, it's going to affect you somewhere. So it's almost like a, a very small step, maybe like, because I would perceive it as like a small step backwards to then get your body moving in the way you need it to so that then you can take like two steps forward. 100%. And it's only backwards if you look at it as a numbers game, right? If I look and say, you know, naturally I can back squat more than I can front squat. So it's like, do I look at a front squat as being less or do I say it's harder and that's why I can't lift as heavy? So for me, it's like, well, if we can address the things that make that harder and then you start to add your weights onto that, like it's always, there's always going to be a ratio difference, right? There's like most people will naturally back squat more than they can front squat. Sure. But I would say there's a lot more like there's just hidden limitations that most people don't see when they back squat because maybe they haven't been made aware of it. Right. While as a front squat, most people, if they can't get the bar up like this or it's choking their things, they stay away from it. And that's, um, yeah, you're exactly right. And it's so interesting to go into like those different areas and to understand it more. Um, I'd like to shift gears ever so slightly now, but not ever so slightly massively <laughs> <laughs> into talking about um, business and social and the, the life that you lead because one of the things, when we first started speaking, um, I think in one of our messages, I was like, oh my God, like, how have you got 500,000 plus followers on Instagram? Um, and we had a very brief exchange about that. But tell us like how, how you did that. How did you go from, yeah, what I think were you was, before um, and then how did you get the growth? That was about October last year, I believe. And I, I think at that stage I had about 350 or 380. Um, yeah. And so 
I've always been active on social media. I think I, one of my friends actually sent me a, a screenshot from 2017. It was like January 2017. And it was me writing to him. He's in Dublin. I was in Australia. And I said, hey, I've just bought a camera. I'm going to start to do some YouTube videos. And he wrote back and he was like, oh, awesome, dude. Like, I wish you the best of luck, which again, I thought was, it's cool when you look back at it now. And I look back at those videos and I cringe, but anyway, <laughs> we had to start somewhere, right? And yeah, I guess I immersed myself in that. I just, the, the most important thing here was I enjoy it, right? And that's what kept me consistent. I, at the start, was doing a lot of handstand videos, got a bit of traction, got up to about 5,000 followers, something like that. Um, I think I remember being at about um, two and a half, three thousand, and I started to piggyback a few big um, like training methodologies that I knew they would reshare my videos if I kind of highlighted an exercise that they were teaching, right? And then when I got up to five thousand, they hit a bit of a like a stalemate, right? That was probably for about a year and a half, but I still posted every day because again, I didn't do it to to be fixated on on this kind of reward system. I did it because I really enjoyed it. I have a, not to go on a caveat, but I had a, a, a tangent, sorry. I had a, a tech degree or like a, you know, I've been big into computers when I was younger and all the way up, but then I kept getting veered towards the fitness industry. So I've, I really enjoy editing videos. I really enjoy being a bit of a tech geek in the background. So I do most of the stuff myself. Um, anyway, I was always blocking out the likes of Gary V and all these people always like, oh yeah, it's easy for them, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually I went, do you know what? I'm just going to listen to them and I'm going to copy what they're telling me to do. That's basically what I'm going to do. And Gary V was barking about TikTok. So I decided, okay, I have all these videos that I've been posting every single day on Instagram. I'm just going to reformat them in the reels uh, setting so that I can post them on TikTok. I posted three times a day for three months and then it started to pop off. And I was like, oh, Lo and behold, this is working. So I, uh, you know, I got up to about thirty thousand followers on TikTok, and I was like, "Whoa, this is like this is working." And for me, this weird, this is weird thing that was in my head. I always looked at Instagram as people who knew me personally. I looked at TikTok as like, I don't know who these people are. I can just put out what I feel I actually enjoy making and, and what I want and what I think is useful for people. And then what I did was, I started to look at the traction that was happening. Right, so. You know, if I look at Alex Hormozzi, if I look at Gary Vee, they all have like a particular format that they try to promote to people. And then what I did was I said, okay, I started to do stuff which are a bit more boisterous like than what I was doing. They were a bit more catchy and I was doing them specifically on TikTok and they were getting really good views. And no matter, like I had this particular format, which was the one of getting people to try and touch their toes, right? And I did five different types of that video. And I posted them all on TikTok at different times and they all popped off. So then I went, do you know what? I'm just going to try it on Instagram. I'll just like, I don't care. People can judge me all they want. Again, this was in my head. I don't really care. I posted it. And then I just remember, I remember saying to my partner, I've just grown by like 200 followers. And on Instagram, like at the time, you know, my Instagram was quite flat. And so then when it popped off, I was like, that's a bit weird. Like, I wonder what that is. And then the next day I was like, it was 2000. And then it just went like, it just went like every time I opened the app, there was just like a hundred new followers, hundred new followers, hundred new followers. So I knew then it was the algorithm, right? Because um, for anybody who doesn't know, like the algorithm basically qualifies you. So it sends it out to a certain amount of people. If they watch a certain amount of time or there's a certain amount of shares or comments or engagement, 
then they send out to more. So, so you have to keep qualifying. And so because the growth was the same, then I knew I had to be the algorithm. And so in a two-week period, it grew by like 300,000 or something. Like it was astronomical. And what I put that down to is that, you know, obviously there's one video that went pretty crazy, but we are like, you know, we're, we're features of habit. So if we see something that we really like, we're going to investigate and try to find more. So because I had that good volume of, you know, what I think are high quality videos, people started to watch and watch and watch and watch and share and share and share. So it was given the algorithm. It was literally nurturing the algorithm. It was giving them everything they wanted and it was high performing. And then obviously, you know, life went pretty crazy. And that's why I reached out to you because before that, I was doing a lot of my trainings on like a PDF as an example. So I was like, okay, I've got to like, the volume is just too much. I've got to, I've got to change something here. Um, and I reached out to a lot of different platforms. I looked at, again, my, my benefit is that I have a tech background. Um, I felt Kahuna's was, was on its way to where I wanted to be. And when we had that initial chat, we kind of had like, you know, talked about what kind of plans were coming. And that kind of excited me. So I was like, all right, I'm willing to invest in this, knowing that it was probably going to take a year before it gets to where I really wanted to be. But for me, yeah, I, I, I like the energy that you gave when we initially spoke. And, and I'm a very loyal person, right? Like the people who work for me have worked for me for six years. Like, um, you know, they'll, they'll grow as I grow kind of thing. Yeah, thank you so much for your support on that. Like, it's, it's huge. Like, I remember our first conversations. Um, and to be involved in it for that period of time. And I know you're excited about some of the new workout stuff that's coming in a couple of months. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to get that out so that you can start to play with that. Yeah, it's it's massive for me. Like it's massive. I've got a lot of things in the pipeline and you know, the, 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 the only negative of when your Instagram blows up like that is everything makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, do I go high ticket client? Do I go you know, low ticket, but go to the masses. Like, do I go hybrid style training? Like it all makes sense because you literally have the volume of people sitting there in front of you. So yeah. it's like, hey, pick where your heart is. And at the moment I do a lot of high ticket stuff, but I'm actually building a membership platform now because I feel for me, it maybe it's selfish of me, but as I get older, um, I don't play team sports anymore. So, you know, as, as much as I love sitting in front of a computer, like one-on-one -on -one stuff to me, it doesn't excite me as much as creating a community. You know, it's like yourself, right? When you go and do a live in the Facebook and you, you get to engage with people, like yeah. imagine when you log off that call, you're like, that felt great. People are like really enjoying what I'm building and it gives me great satisfaction. Like you're very similar to me. Like I think I emailed you back at like 20 past four this morning. Like, <laughs> like people think this, this shit is easy. They think like, Oh yeah, I'll just post a few videos. Like I've got videos of me with a burst appendix filming exercise videos at two o'clock in the morning in my friend's gym because that had to be done, right? And I have yeah. two kids, so I could have every excuse under the sun. I live the other side of the world away from all family support. But my stubbornness is that other people who make this work are doing the exact same thing. So you gotta follow suit. Like don't try and change the wheel. You just gotta you just basically gotta work hard. Like there's nothing there's nobody going to outwork me in what I'm doing. And that's why I'm getting to where I'm going. Jim. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree with that more. It's people, and people don't see it. People see like in your position now, people probably think like, look at Dan, the success he's got, his huge following, like um, living life up in the Maldives, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, and they just think that that's it now. This is 
Like you just have this easy life where you're just going to do these few little things, make loads of money and you're set. And it's the same with kahunas. People look at it and we're, so Monday we're going to hit like 3,000 coaches. So they're like, oh, wow, it's like successful. Like everything's great now. You've got all this stuff. But it's like, no, we just got more things to deal with, more things to do. Like it's it's harder now than it was at the beginning. Um, So it is like, that's the thing I say to everyone. It's anyone's capable of achieving what they want. It's just having that relentless desire and hunger for it like day in day out you just can't give up like you just got to keep like pushing through even when it gets tough yeah i i see like um you know you'll see some business coaches who i know are doing pretty well right like they're not like Hmm. half of them that are you know pretending they're doing well but like some people still say like well why are you working it's like i said this to my mom about three weeks ago i was like i've retired in my eyes like I don't dread yeah. getting up. I enjoy talking to my clients. I don't take on clients if I if I feel that it's not going to work. Like, I truly enjoy what I do. Like, I the the only negative that I have right now is the fact that my kids are in Scotland at the moment and I'm here in Ireland. Like, mm-hmm. other than that, like, like I really mean it. Like, if I'm going to go to the gym today. I'm going to record videos. I get excitement out of trying to think like, okay, what will I do in this video? Like, how will this be crafty? How will this benefit somebody? And I know it's cliche as a trainer, but like, I really enjoy that I get to now help so much more people, right? Like I, yeah. I love when people write to me or comment on my stuff and say like, I'm 82 years of age. I've been trying your videos and you know, now I haven't felt this well in so long. These people haven't given me any money, right? Like, and I'm still helping people. So I have tiers of how I help people, right? Like I have YouTube playlists that people can go on if they don't want to pay any money. I have stuff on my Instagram that people can literally follow along to not have to invest in anything other than their time. And they're seeing great results, right? How important do you think that is? I do that because most of the uh, people that I do follow that are doing very well, is like, you've got to give people stuff. Like if you're owning the sort of person that just wants money, then that's like, that's not value, right? Money is only a trade, right? How important do you think that is in just giving as much value as you can for free? I think that was the difference between me getting to where I am now and me not because I was always apprehensive at the start. I always thought, mm-hmm. oh, if I give everybody all my information, they're not going to work with me. But that's it's been quite the opposite because people go, I really like what you do. Can you do that with me? Okay, cool. Yeah. Like it's, it's this weird thing. I'm like, but everything is there. Like if I, and it's the way I can work. Like, again, I have a tech background. I know that if I'm searching for something, I can find it somewhere, right? Like, mm-hmm. but I also then know that I might find something, watch it for a while, and then go, okay, I'm ready to invest in this person. I like this person. Mm. Like, And I like, for me, it's um, convenience now in, in buying things. Like I could spend the time and like go through all the effort of learning something new or doing something new. But if I've investigated it enough to know that I need this, then I would much rather just pay someone who I know is much better at it than I am, who can mm-hmm. then just say, say to me, like, here's a plan. And then as part of my day, I'm just like, I could just stick to this every day instead of yeah. like having to, to spend more time on it. 100%. Everybody, like, in my eyes, everybody needs a mentor in whatever it is you do. The, dance, yeah. the dancer has a dance coach. The sprinter has a sprint, uh, sprint coach. doesn't mean the sprint coach is better than the sprinter, right? But what yeah. they do have is they've got a knowledge to look at you as an individual and say, hey, you should tweak this, this, and this. And that works in business mentorship too. If you find the right person, it's like, well, actually, you know, maybe you should do it this way. Um, I will be honest and say that I've never had a business uh, mentor just because uh, most of the stuff that I delved into, I really enjoyed. So I started to learn it myself. That's kind of mm. why I never actually invested in a business coach, I guess, because there's a lot of cowboys out there, right? Unfortunately. Very true. 
I want to loop back to something real quick that you mentioned yeah. is that you're building a membership site. Where are you building this and why? Um, <clears throat> so the main, the main thing for me is when I've started to see who my, um, my clientele is and some of the people who I've worked with in like high tickets, they've kind of said that, you know, for them, they need the push. They need literally me sitting there and coaching them. So the way I've planned my business is build a mentorship, which is more like a web-based. Um, so where people can actually go and learn things. And then based off the learning, they can then access my training app. So when they're actually in the gym, here's your training. Whilst if there's somebody who literally, you know, needs to be told, hey, 7 p.m. Tuesday night, you're logging in and I'm going to be on screen and you better be there. And that's kind of that's kind of the way my membership platform is going to work, because I feel for what I offer, a lot of the people who need it the most are not the most motivated to do it. So it's kind of like, okay, you know, you can come and you can train with me on screen. If you miss it, you can still access it. You can do that twice a week. And then this is your membership for the month, right? Yeah. I think it's very important because, you know, if I take my mom as an example, she's like mid sixties, she trains herself. But then if I take my stepdad, you know, same age, doesn't train. So it's kind of like, how can I buy into that person who needs it more? And actually show them like it's not daunting. Like I'm not expecting you to put 100 kilos on a deadlift. If you want to do this at home, you can do this at home. This is about like stuff that's probably going to add years to your life. Like, and I mean that is at the moment. Like if I if I think about it um, in my own context, I've been traveling for quite a bit. I now have an issue in my calf from traveling so much, and it, the stress that that's causing in my head. Like because I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm like, what are the people going through who, you know, have these debilitating things as they're driving? And so a lot of the research that I did was um, into like whether, again, like what I said earlier, do I go high ticket, hybrid or masses? And for me, it's like the masses is the people who need the mobility the most. If I can find the right price point that they're all, you know, that they value, then it's it's like, okay, what is the offering that's going to make them stay and be consistent with it? So with the way kahunas is going eventually, I then see myself eventually putting that onto kahunas, right? So that's kind of what we spoke about uh, October last year, right? Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of things that are important to me. Like you, if we don't have an integration of Zapier as an example, like I can't take on a thousand clients because mm. I have to sit there and try to, you know, so this is where obviously you're a big lover of AI. This is where having the AI and having things like this is going to be super beneficial so that I can really add value where I need to be there. And then everything else makes the other, makes the client feel valued. Right. For sure. And we'll have, so towards the end of the year is where we'll be launching the group stuff. So we've got at the moment, we're doing like all the workout builder, which we spoke about, then all the nutrition is being done. Then we've got, of course, got wearables, video uploads for exercises. And then after all that, we have all the group stuff. And within that, you'll be able to, use groups for if you're doing challenges or something let's say and you want like 20 30 40 people to a group but also we're going to open it up in january so that you could offer a one-to-many service so that you would yeah. be able to use the app with almost like group forum boards and you'd be able to have content into different like sections of the app and you'd really be able to like customize it heavily so that so that within your own app you can have the one-to-one -one, you could have them groups and then you could have like communities all within the one place yeah that's awesome yeah and that's 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 kind of like what I need now. So that's kind of yeah. why I've done 
the way I'm doing it. So it's kind of like, like I see so much value in kahunas, which is why I'm loyal to them because I'm, I still use it with all my high ticket clients, right? I'm using it day in, day out. And um, my fiance uses it. She's been one of my biggest researchers on it and she can be blunt, honest with it. And a lot of it is positive, right? Um, especially the changes. So a lot of the changes have been really good. Um, there was a few glitches on the logging of workouts and um, that's all been fixed. So that's like, I, I have to say, like I'm pleasantly like impressed with it. You know, I, I wouldn't have stuck as long as I have with it if it wasn't ticking all the boxes. But when I looked at other places, it this is the way I, I relate it. It's like, it's like renting a house, right? So if you, if you, you know, if you don't want to put the financial input into building your own van, then you got to look for something that ticks the right amount of boxes for you and your business. And then you got to obviously absorb or be okay with the stuff that you don't have. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, yeah. Like the fact that I can even talk to the person who developed it, that already impressed me. Right. The fact that you are like ridiculously active in the Facebook group, you are, I think I wrote to you about like I was a bit disheartened by something and you were straight on an email to me and you were like, Hey, that's not what I meant. Blah, blah, blah. And I think that's for me, that's real realistic, right? That's what I want people to understand is that sometimes things don't like, you know, they don't go the way you want them to go. But the fact that you were able to uh, be honest to me, you were able to come back to me. We um, ironed things out and I was like, awesome, cool. This is like, you know, things happen right like things get in the way and that can be with everything and i just i love where it's going i love the simplicity of it i've also seen other apps that you've developed so i i know how good you and your team's work can be and i guess from the other apps that you showed me to go and look at like they really impressed me so that was kind of one of the main reasons why i was like okay this is going in the right place like awesome it's so like i love your understanding of all of that because i'm on the same like it's my biggest thing is just not to just not to bullshit people. Like I think in this day and age, people are so aware of bullshit anyway, that why if something happens, I'm just gonna put my hands up and say, like, we messed up or like I wasn't supposed to do that and I'm really sorry. Like rather yeah. than like rather than coming up with some sort of weird excuse for why something happened, because people know and then there's no trust or authenticity in anything you ever do. Yeah, I've 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 had that with some of my clients where in the past of you know, like I've gone and taught classes where I'm violently ill, but I'm so stubborn that I'm like, I'm not letting someone down. And, yeah. um, you know, that has its downfalls and it has its positives. But what I've noticed is if you actually just be honest to people, they're just like, well, like when I told them afterwards, they're like, mm. holy shit, man. Like you should have just like told us. And I was like, well, that's who I am. I'm not going to change. Like I've always, yeah. it's, I come from a very um, respectful upbringing, a very loyal upbringing. And it's like, that's the whole reason why I had a burst appendix for three months. Like I'm just, you know, it's not always good because obviously now in the world we can talk openly about issues that men are having and stuff like that. For me, growing up, it was always suck it up. <laughs> so in a way, I've worked hard on that to be able to talk to that. But the benefit of being stubborn is that like if I have a goal and I know that I can achieve it, like I just know that there's just steps to achieve it and I'm not mm. – all those steps yet and so like for me it's like if i do all those steps and then i fail well then i know i tried like yeah you know what i mean like um i think I, people give up a little bit too soon on things yeah i always say that and i always say that if when i have discussions with people i'm like if so the position you're in right now if you try and do x y and z and it takes you a year and then it doesn't work out 
the worst case is you're going to end up where you are right now. Like there's not, it's not yeah. that bad. You can do something else. Don't panic. hundred <laughs> percent. And um, you touched on the Maldives earlier. Um, I can mm. chat about that if you like. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So why did you decide to even do this and start traveling with a family and with kids and everything? Was it like, why did you do it? And what was it all about? Um, I guess it was living away from my extended family. So like living in Australia and obviously with the last few years of being kind of restricted from traveling, that was a big thing for us. And we were actually due to travel last November. <clears throat> and then I don't know. I just, I just didn't feel like it was the right time. And then when I made that decision, it was like my world opened this energy to like everything else. And then all of a sudden my Instagram went crazy. And then I had the, um, I had the Hard Rock Hotel in the Maldives reach out to me. When they first reached out to me, I, I thought it was a fake message, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, but then we, we obviously searched the individual who, who actually wrote to me as the CEO. And so we obviously found him on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, he's legit. And they wanted me to come out because he had been trying my videos and he was big into or is big into jiu-jitsu. I noticed a massive improvement in his jiu-jitsu being a 47-year-old uh, rolling against 20-odd-year-olds. And so he was just like, I need, I need that guy to come out here. Like, it's, it's very high quality what he's doing. I want to obviously give this to myself and the players that are here, but I want to, it's a premium brand. So I want to bring him here and train our guests and show them the quality of, of movement. Amazing. And we went out for two weeks and then obviously came back, or went back to Australia. And then we were like, oh, we've got this like itch to travel. And I was like, I've always been bold. Like I've always just been like, why not? Like I've lost family members very young age. I'm like, life's for living, right? The girls haven't started school. I've got a three and a half year old and a nine month old. I was like, this is the perfect opportunity. And we started to look into, okay, what's involved? How long could we go? My partner's on maternity leave. So it made a lot of sense. And then the hard rock actually came back to us and said, Hey, look, we're actually going to be doing a longer event the next time it's going to be four to five weeks would you be interested and i was like let me look at it and i'll come back to you long story short i looked into everything and i was like okay this is what we're gonna do and i have a beautiful fiance who is like the yin to my yang right like um i feel like you have to have a partnership right because these things especially when kids are involved they're not going to happen unless both of you are fully invested and she's a massive part of hands down she's does a lot of the stuff in the background. She's the person who makes me make the right decisions. <laughs> and so we just decided, okay, let's put everything into storage and let's just make it happen. Like we just, and that's what, like, that's just my mentality. It's like, I, re I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And what mm -hmm. I took from that was the mentality of um, not that we can't afford it. It's just, how can we afford it? Yeah. And so we just made it happen. We, you know, we went to the Maldives for five weeks, pushed into six weeks and then we headed to Europe, to um, mainland Europe, and then back to Ireland. Then what I said was, well, let's just do workshops everywhere we go. Let's show people, you know, how easy it is to move well. And now, I'm, as I said, I'm currently in Ireland. And we hope to then hit the States and Canada, heading back to Sydney, probably around late August, September time. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you mentioned something which I couldn't agree with more which is that your fiance plays such a big part in your success, your success together, because I'm exactly the same. Vicky, my wife is, uh, without her, it, there's no way I'd be anywhere near, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd probably be, yeah. I don't know, in jail or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the important thing here is, is that like, 
in 2019, going into 2020, I moved away from an old gym that I was working in. And I was earning less than $60,000 a year. And I was there, like, don't get me wrong, I love this gym and it's awesome. And they taught me so much. I was there for nearly four and a half years. And obviously, um, for visa reasons, I was in Australia and they had sponsored me, which was amazing. And then when I left, like, there was a, like, I stepped away from my income basically, right? And then lockdown happened. And because I wasn't on a, a permanent visa, I didn't get any kind of payments from the government in Australia or anything like that. And thankfully, my partner does well for herself and she, like, obviously supported us. And that is very important is to have a good partnership, right? Like, mm-hmm. whether that's with, you know, your, uh, personal partner or whether you find someone in business who you work really really well to um that's for me that's why we're here where we are hands down is is both of us right it's it's very important that people understand that like she financially supported me i have a lot of loyal clients who financially supported me when no one else did right like the australian government didn't i remember when lockdown happened i lost like 18 clients in one week and i was like that hit hard (laughs) You know, and there's two ways of looking at that outcome. And this is the way I took it. I said, okay, I've just lost 18 clients. That was about 24, 25 hours of work. I was like, I've got a lot of work to do. I'm going to start building some. And so that's when I first built my first handstand course. And there was probably about a thousand hours put into that. And so I'm saying this because it's important. It's like, I could have, I could have become miserable. I could have said, this isn't fair. Like, you know, I'm just going to go back to Ireland or, you know, this, Everybody hates me. The government's against me. But instead, I went, oh, I've got 24 hours free now. I'm going to... Because like, it wasn't that I had another option, right? Like, like yeah. there was two options. One was like, just sit and moan about it. The other option was, okay, now you have 24 hours free. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just build the stuff because you don't have anything else to do anyway? And that's always been my mentality. It's just been like, look at... Um, so when things got really, really um, busy... I hired a videographer, as an example. I hired a web developer. It wasn't that I wasn't able to do these things myself, but now I freed up, like, you know, another 24 hours. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. For the sake of, you know, what I, what I get into the business and what I need to expend to them, it made a lot of sense, right? Sure. And you know your courses, Dan, is there, could coaches take them to, like, find out more about mobility and then to apply that? Yeah, I, I, like I, I, I couldn't see why you wouldn't, right? Like if you if you are somebody watching this right now and you don't focus on mobility training, you haven't delved into it, you don't give it the respect it deserves. And for sure, like like what it's like what you said earlier on. Like you could either go onto YouTube and type in mobility and watch stuff, or you could reach out to somebody who's literally done it for the last eight years on probably you know tens of thousands of people because I used to deal in large group settings. And probably get there in you know twenty percent of the time, right? Or getting mm. the, the level of understanding that you need, which is why most people need mentors, right? In every in every industry, for sure. We're actually so on Kahuna's over the next couple of months. We're opening up a like an education portal where I've got um, John Jewett from J Two University is doing um, some in depth um, materials for us there. Also on hypertrophy training, I've got Elliot Wise doing um, a beginner and advanced like business entrepreneurship like a section and Elliot's a good friend, a good friend and like serial entrepreneur. Like he's one yeah. of the guys that you can, you can trust for that. Um, but the reason I say all that is because if you're up for it, it would be awesome if you wanted to do like a mini series or a few videos 
as like education and then obviously that would all just link through to your own yeah. stuff. So I think the more people that give this the respect it deserves, the better, right? Like I feel as coaches, it's like they always look at it as like extend your arsenal, right? Like add another yeah. weapon to it. Like and yeah, you, you know, what happens if you do have somebody in front of you and they can't do what you want them to do? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if you just had the, a little quick drill that maybe so I'll give you an example. If someone doesn't know how to fully extend their hip, like maybe I could give them a glute specific exercise that I could teach them on the floor let them understand what that feels like and then go back to it and say, Hey, do you remember what you just felt? That's what I want you to feel now. Mm-hmm. And that's been a game changer, even when I'm teaching coaches and they're like, Oh, like it's so clever that you just said to them to do X, Y, and Z. And they were able to, and I'm like, because if I've never been there, then it's just like going into the abyss. If you can educate me on what that feels like or what that is, there's one thing. It's one thing to show me it. It's another one for me to actually experience it. Right. And that's something that a really good coach does. It's like the Einstein approach, right? If I can explain it to a five-year-old, then, you know, have a decent level of understanding of that. Yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Like, and so the whole point of that education, education section is to have people that I trust, that I know, know what they're talking about and do a great job so that we can help coaches. And then ultimately, if they want to find out more and explore it, then they can get that directly from you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd be super keen for that. I mean, I, as I said to you before, I love what I do. The benefits of when you love what you do is like, it doesn't feel like work. Right. And yeah, thankfully now I'm reaping the rewards of all the hard work and know that the hard work still continues. Yeah. <laughs> Hence I was cool. before I am. Same. So like genuinely, thank you so much for coming on. Like your story is, is so interesting, inspirational. There's loads of great stuff in there that people can be able to take away from it. Um, where can people find out more about you? So it's very easy, hands down. So hands down. And it's all on every social platform you can think of. Uh, websites handsdown.com. I actually have um, a mobility masterclass. It was going to be 90 minutes online kind of learning specifically for the spine and back. And that's going to be on the 17th of June, depending on your time zone. But 17th of June geared towards the States and Europe. So if you are in Australia, it would actually be the 18th. And that's just going to be, I suppose, a really good introduction into how to move your hips and spine. Because for me, they should be your your priority. It, it, it's called the core for a reason. And when you actually address that, everything else starts to move even better. It's just like a puppet on a string, right? You pull pull a yeah. string, something else is affected. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for that. I'm just finishing uh, the landing page. So that'll be going out probably later. Um, I don't know when this is going to go out, but it'll be out probably by the time this um is edited and, and put out there so yeah handsdown.com you'll see it on that cool and we'll put a link to that here and yeah, cool. when when it comes up to that date as well i'll take a clip from this video and then put a link in my bio so that we can then get people just to click through from social as well yeah awesome that would be amazing thank you no worries it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you so much dan Thanks for having me mark <laughs>